Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, this is Cheryl Cummings, uh, welcoming you to a new ACB community um, uh, event this evening, and we're calling it Census making sure that you and everyone you know is counted. So you've probably, with everything going on, you may not remember that we also need to complete the census. And um, we know we've talked about this before at ACB, but we also just wanted to uh, provide you with a, a reminder, give you sort of an update of what's been going on, and to um, provide an opportunity for you to ask any questions you may have about responding to the census. Tonight, I'm very fortunate to have three people on a panel who know a lot more about the census than I do, and we'll share that information with you. So we have um, Larry Carter, who works with the census, and who's going to provide us with an overview and um, some data um, and some uh, information around reasons for taking the census. We have Clark uh, Rashfall and Sharon, who will talk to us about their experiences taking the census. Uh, one, Clark took the census online and Sharon used the telephone. Um, so, as I said, we're really excited to have you here today. Um, and our, our sort of general outline is we'd like to talk a little bit and then we'd love to open it up for you to ask questions because um, we've got experts. We've got Larry, we've got Clark, <laughs> we've got Sharon, and uh, we'd love you to take advantage of their experiences and knowledge concerning the census. So without further ado, I'm going to invite Larry Carter from the Census Bureau to start us off. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and be a part of the conversation. Um, as everybody might know by now, or even if you don't know by now, the 2020 census is upon us. And the 2020 census is basically a head count of every person that's living and breathing in the United States as of April 1st, 2020. And you might be like, why do you need to count every person that's living in the United States? Well, uh, it's important as far as federal funding, and apportionment. So the first part is the federal funding. So uh, when you think about the roads and the schools and all of the services that support the community you live in, the data is used to basically break down the funding um, that that area needs to support the citizens and everyone who lives in that area, everyone who uses the roads. So every person needs to be counted every single person that's living and breathing in the United States. Um, and that may look a little different depending on your household uh, because households are of various shapes and sizes. Friends live together, um, several generations. Every person in your household should be counted. So if someone is living in your house, uh, for the most part, you should count them on your census, whether you're related by blood or they're just a roommate. Um, this is uh, the count is done by geography. So that's why it's important to count every person living in your house. So um, you'll get a form in the mail or you can go online and do your form or you can call over the phone. Uh, 
And when you do, you'll um, answer questions about every single person that lives in your house. So we can um, tally up everybody in the United States and send that information um, to the president and then we'll get it to Congress. And then that's where uh, um, apportionment is done. And the funding is kind of broken down based off of the count. Uh, always remember the money doesn't follow the need, but it follows the count. That's something to always remember to make sure that every person is counted. We um, use this data for allocation of teachers and textbooks, um, thinking about road improvements, hospitals, um, first responders, all of these things that service our communities in different ways. This count matters. And then on the side of representation. So depending on how many people are living in an area, that data is used to set up districts and school districts in, in uh city, when you think about city council, even down to your local government uses this data that we collect every 10 years. And so it's so important because we use it for a whole decade. 10 years is a really long time. So we want to make sure that we get it right. And we're leaning on our partners um, to really help us make sure that every single person is counted. And Larry, oh. can I ask a question? So, mm-hmm. so you're collecting the data, and can I, as an individual, go, hmm, I wonder what my next-door neighbor said. Can I look up individual data? Absolutely not. So uh, we operate under t- Title 13 um, of the Constitution, which protects the data. So when we pass on the data, it's aggregated. So all of the identifiers are taken away. So we can't give people's information out um, under penalty of a $250,000 fine, as well as uh, five years in jail. So um, under those penalties, they're pretty harsh. We've taken an oath and we take our oath seriously. So no personal data will be given to anyone outside of the Bureau. So, so confidentiality is absolutely... It's key. Yeah. It's definitely key because we definitely want to make sure that no one is afraid to give their information. So it won't affect if you get, um, you know, if you get government benefits or different things of that nature, it, it will not affect that if you have people living in your house. We just want to make sure that we're counting every single person so that we make sure that they're accounted for and the services needed the federal funding is appropriately given. We want to count everybody once and only once and in the right place. And the way we can help that is by self-response, by people going out and responding on their own, whether it's online, whether it's over the phone or the form that was mailed out to your home. And in more rural areas, there were forms dropped off um, for people who don't receive mail to their uh, proper address. And if you don't get an opportunity to self-respond, we will uh, be out. So um, it's an operation called Non-Response Follow-Up that um, we kind of kicked it off in July. And it's it's going to go through to September 30th, where we're going to be sending people out knocking on doors to ask people to respond. Uh, we want to make sure that we're counting every single person. So it's it's imperative that self-response will be the the best thing if you don't want someone coming to knock on your door um, in the midst of 
um, COVID and everything, though we are taking precautions, um, they will be wearing protective gear when they come to the door um, and, and taking all the safety precautions to keep themselves safe, as well as every citizen. And Larry, do you know when, like, um, when the date, when that begins? I mean, I know um, in Massachusetts, for instance, it started in some communities, but I think there's an official date, isn't there, in August? Mm -hmm. August 11th is the official um, kickoff date, but we, like you said, we've done the soft launches. So there are people that are already out and knocking on doors. So if you've seen them in your community or they've come to your house, they are with the Census Bureau. Um, so we, we wanted to make sure that we got it right. So we sent people out a little bit earlier to get started in, in harder to count areas. And then August 11th, we'll deploy everyone out. Right. And do you have a, do you know, um, do you have an example of some of the questions that are asked on the census? Because I know in some of the trainings I've attended, people have expressed concern, like, how will I know that that person is from the new, you know, the census and mm -hmm. not? Every person with the census is going to have a census badge with a government seal on it. They'll also have a census bag um, that says 2020 census. So you'll be able to identify them by asking for their badge. And in the nine questions that's on the questionnaire, um, you can, they're available online. So they're basically going to ask, it'll start with person number one, which is the person who's filling out the form. And it'll ask the identifiers of that person around race, um, age, um, and things of that nature. And then the second person is going to ask, how is the second person related to the first person? And then it'll ask the same questions about the next person and so on and so forth. Um, so that, that's one of the things that I bring to people's attention to that question, um, because this is the first decennial where also if you are um, a same-sex couple, you can identify as married or unmarried as a same-sex couple. And that's the first time that that's happened um, this decennial. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and, and I think it's also important for people to note that the census does not have any questions asking, it doesn't ask for your social security number, right? No. No social security number, no credit card. Right. Um, none of that type of information. No. Right. Right. So... All right. Well, thank you so much, Larry. So I'm going to ask Clark if you could tell us a little bit about um, your choice, because as Larry said, you can complete the census by filling out the paper form that you receive. You can also go online and you can use the telephone. I think, Clark, you chose to go online, right? Yes, this is Clark. Thank you, Cheryl. And thank you, Larry, for that overview. I did complete the 2020 census online. Um, and I actually did that back in March um, for my household, which is my wife and me. And Larry, I counted our two dogs, Summit and Cricket. Uh, no, that's, that's a joke. I, I didn't count any pets, just my wife and me in our household. And I was actually researching and visiting the 2020census.gov website in preparing for the first community call that Larry did with us back in the spring. And while I was on the website, it 
it was just so easy. The website is very accessible with the JAWS screen reader. And I was using the Chrome internet browser and the form fields were all labeled. Uh, it was very simple to tab through and use the arrow keys. The edit boxes were all labeled. So is it, it was a really seamless experience to fill it out for two people. I'd say it probably took uh, you know, 10 to 15 minutes and just double checking, make sure, making sure that I got everything right. As Larry said, it was only, I say like nine questions per person, no financial information and no information about disability status or things like that or income and things like that either. Because Larry, correct me if I'm wrong, that's, um, that's no longer part of the, the decennial census that's done by the community living survey. The American Community Survey, absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, And just to add on to what Larry said about the importance of completing the census, so in my role as Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, we need all of our ACB members and friends to complete this census because selfishly, it helps me and Claire do our jobs more easily. So when folks are calling up and they have issues with vocational rehabilitation and their state VR programs are getting funding from the Department of Education and the Rehabilitation Services Administration, you know, there's, there's more funds in the pot that's able um, to go towards serving our population. Or this time of year when the Election Assistance Commission is making funds available to the states um, for accessible voting equipment and voter education. You know, your state will receive more money the more people that there are in your state. So it's really important to be counted and so that we can make sure that resources are available for all of our members. I would strongly encourage folks, especially if you don't want that, uh, that knock at your door from a census worker, uh, to just go online to 2020census.gov and take the 10 to 15 minutes to complete the census. Absolutely. And, and as you said, Clark, it's, it's, it's easy. Um, and I mean, you know, if, if you have a, a large household, it will take you a little longer, but it, it's not going to take you that much longer. And I think the opportunity to be able to complete the form um, on the web um, using a format format that is completely accessible. Just I don't know about you guys, but it just relieves a lot of stress and tension. Like, oh my gosh, I might not, I might not get to do this, um, and it just makes it so so easy to do. Cheryl, the one thing that I'll add is that uh, leading up to the the 2020 census, we heard a lot about the 12 digit or alphanumeric code that would be included on the census materials mailed out to everyone's house. One of the great things about completing the census online is that you don't need that census identification code. All you need is your home address. And it's information you already know. You don't need to pull out any assistive technology or ask neighbors or friends to read that 12-digit code. You You don't need to use Be My Eyes or IRA. All you need to do is basically just cast that paper aside and on the website, you just enter your mailing or your home address where you spend the majority of the time and you go from there. Absolutely. 
So thank you so much. And now I'm going to invite Sharon to talk about her experience of completing the census via phone. And before you start, Sharon, I just want to say two things. One is that um, including English, there are 13 languages available for, uh, you know, when, when you make a phone, use the phone. And that the, and that the phone lines are open from 7 a.m. until 2 a.m. So you've got a lot, um, and that's Eastern time. So you've got a lot of time and lots of opportunities to make the call. So Sharon, what was your experience? Thank you. Like? Good evening. Uh, I wanted to do this by phone, um, partly because I love being on the phone, but also because other people in my chapter I know were going to be using the phone and I wanted to have a good experience to pass on to them. So first I'd like to give the phone number and I verified it this morning because like Clark, I did this a ways back in March. Uh, the phone number is 844-330-2020. And what I want to say before I get into the call itself is that if you Google, if you forget it, you forget the number and you Google census, there are a variety of numbers that are out there and some of them are not relevant to the conversation that you're going to have. Some of them have to do with getting a job with a census. So uh, if you forget this, put in there something like fill out my census on the phone, customer service. Mm. Uh, and just remember that this one ends with 2020, which I thought was appropriate. So again, it's 1-844-330-2020. Um, and again, as Clark mentioned, you do not have to have the ID when you make the call. When you first call in, there are a couple of prompts that you go through. And eventually, what you want to get to is speak with a representative. And um, when I checked it this morning, they said there could be long wait times, but I don't remember that I had that. And I, I can't guarantee that for you, but I was attended to pretty quickly. And one thing that impressed me was that they were very thorough about asking the nine questions in exactly an order and read it exactly the way it was to be read, I believe. Um, so there was a little bit of small talk and chit chat, but it was very professionally done and, uh, easy to do. And I felt that they were taking down the information and I'm just in awe of this whole process. Um, this huge counting that gets done in our country every 10 years. So it really, again, it wasn't very long, uh, to, to, to do it. Now I have to say that afterwards I happened to get a mail notification and this was just a cross up. I think, um, this was near the beginning of the process. And I think I was getting a second notification, please complete the census. But I, don't know that you would get that now. You do not get anything in the mail that says, thank you for completing this, as far as I know. But since I stopped getting mail notifications afterwards, I assume that everything was was done and that I have been counted. Do you have anything on that to, to mention, Larry? That is correct. You, you won't receive anything that says um, it's complete. Uh, but what happened is uh, we have those mailers at that time, the mailers were set at a time to come out. So if you've done it on the phone and it might have been already in process, 
um, right. to come to you. So that might have been why you received that. But you you won't receive anything in the mail saying you've completed it if you do it over the phone. Once you've done it over the phone, um, like you said, you'll finish up and um, you'll be taken out of the rotation. Some of you may know that I have a long Polish last name. And so they were very careful to spell it correctly and read it back to me. <laughs> so I, that made an impression on me and that was very good. So I wouldn't at all be fearful. Um, I think the people there are trained to be friendly. And of course, it's confidential as Larry and Cheryl have both mentioned. And again, the phone number is 844-330-2020. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Sharon. And I'm going to give two more phone numbers. So um, if you need to have the conversation in Spanish, that is 844-468-2020. Or if you use a TTY or know someone who uses a TTY, that number is um, 844-467-2020. So um, there are, uh, you know, those are the different ways that you can complete the census. And I'm just going to read quickly right before we open it up, because I wrote it down, sort of the, the nine questions that, that you're asked. So they ask for your name, your address, your age, your sex, marital status, whether you're a homeowner or a renter, and it asks for your telephone number, ethnicity, racial background, and then it asks for the number of people, individuals living in the house, in the household. So that is, that is it. So those are all of the questions that did you would be asked for. And as Larry said, you just want to reinforce that when you start to respond, you make sure that your answers encompass everybody from the oldest person in their house to the youngest person in the house. And that means children, babies, uh, anybody who was in the house on April 1st, 2020, and who lives there permanently. And I say that because, as I said, I've been in other sort of settings where people have asked, like, well, what do I do if, you know, my Aunt Susan is visiting from Iowa and she was in the house on April 1st? Well, I think the response, and Larry, you can let me know if I get this correct or not, is that unless Aunt Susan has moved in and will be living on an ongoing basis in in the house, uh, if if she's just visit, if Aunt Susan is just visiting, she's not counted because she'll be counted uh, whatever city she she lives in. But if she's moved in, um, then then she is counted. Is that correct, Larry? That is that is correct. Yeah. that is absolutely correct. And Larry, and what same- about students? Yes, that's what I was going to just touch on. The same with yeah. college students; uh, they would be counted where they go to school. So it's where you where you live for the majority of the time. So even if you're visiting, or students might be home uh, from school over the summer, they would still be counted where they go to school. Right, and I think with the with the sort of pandemic that we're in now. Um, I know there were efforts to actually count students, but I think now um, universities are being asked to submit like administrative data, right? That, that is correct. Um, yeah. we, we're asking for the administrative data from, um, from schools as well as other um, larger living facilities that might be out right now. All righty. Well, thank you, everybody. So that, I think, was our sort of background. 
um, about the census and sort of what's happening now in our update. And we'd love to open it up to questions. So Nat, I don't know, do we have any questions? Okay, sure. So before we get started, if you have a question and you would like to raise your hand, if you're using the PC, it is Alt-Y. If you're using a Mac, it is Options-Y. If you called in on a telephone keypad, it is Star 9. And if you are using the iPhone app, you just hit that really awesome raise hand button. And we do have a question. Cindy, you should be able to unmute and go ahead with your question. Hi, I do have a question. So I am one that took the uh, survey using uh, the web. So I did it on the internet. Um, how does, if, if I took it here in Minneapolis, uh, where I live, but let's just say that somebody lived in one state and they took it and then they move, how, does, how do they not get forced to do it again? in another state. Um, you know what I mean? Like, how does it know that I took it here in Minneapolis? I'm going to ask Larry, can you answer? Yes. So it's based off of where you are on April 1st. So April 1st, 2020 gotcha. is, is the mark. So where you were on April 1st, 2020 okay. is where you would be counted. And the idea behind that is um, the reason we base it around geography and housing is the idea is if you do move, someone else is going to move into that residence. So it's going to be, you're holding a space, you, you know. Makes sense. Um, yep. Thank you. Oh, and it well. was really easy and accessible, by the way. The, just, it was so easy. The, the key was just um, having that identifying code or number. Uh, but otherwise, it was really easy to do yeah. and very accessible. Awesome. Thank you for that comment. Okay, thank you, Cindy. We do not have any more questions, you guys. Okay. Well, I do. <laughs> go, go ahead, Sharon. <laughs> uh, well, actually, just a curiosity. Um, how does the Census Bureau try to deal with people who are homeless? That must be really difficult, I would think. Um, so we have an operation around um, people experiencing homelessness. So what we do is in a 72 hour um, window, we send enumerators out to physically go to those places and count people where people gather, whether it's soup kitchens, um, people go under bridges where people live to tent cities. Um, and in that 72 hours, a large group of people go out across the nation to make sure we're counting each person once. So that's why we do it within that 72 hour window because uh, people can be transient. So we wanna make sure that we get the count done um, mm -hmm. in a short window of time to make sure we only count people once. Thank you. And, and then I suppose, I mean, Clark touched on this a little bit, but since the census doesn't have any sort of question that really asks specifically about um, your disability, why should somebody who has a disability respond? Because you're not specifically identifying us. Well, it's important to respond because this is the count that's going to affect the community that you live in that services your needs. Um, so being counted, um, even though it's not 
parsed out in this piece with the American Community Survey. Um, those questions are there, but uh, the decennial is actually used for the federal funding for um, the things that support the community as a whole. So being a part of that community is important to be counted to make sure the federal funding comes to where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, when you think of it like um, if you have 10 children and you get only enough money to feed five, but you still have to feed 10. Yeah. And this is Clark, if I could jump in again, um, even though the, the decennial census doesn't have disability specific questions, there are programs in our states and our local community that receive federal dollars based off of the apportionment, right? So again, the um, programs that could come from health and human services um, or the CDC, Uh, we have a a hurricane going up the East Coast right now. If um, FEMA or other departments are doing emergency preparedness, um, certainly the work that they do will have impacts on people with disabilities. The planning that they do will have impacts on people with disabilities. So even though this doesn't ask the specific questions, those federal dollars will still help our state and local communities, like Larry said, um, be better prepared and better able to discern all members of the community, including uh, people who are blind and low vision. Yes, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Larry, I'm, this is Sharon, and I'm wondering if there's any discussion of including disability uh, at some point as, as a general question. Has that ever come up? That you know, so um, so that has come up. So with the questions, each question that uh, appears on the census has been approved through Congress. So uh, basically, uh, um, researchers throughout the decade they do this research in um, usually about four years out. Um, the questions are proposed, and then Congress will decide what actually makes the form. And and when you talked about the American Community Survey, is that sent out at the same time as the census? And if it is, um, is because I mean I don't remember getting that survey. So with the American Community Survey, it's done um, on. It's not like the uh, decennial census is not done on that um, level where every person fills it out. Mm-hmm. It's more of a smaller pop. It's a um, almost like a sample size population. So, and it's, it's a concurrent survey. So it's constantly going. So it is going during the decennial, mm-hmm. um, the American community survey is being done every month, every year in different parts of the country, um, with a sample size. So every person won't fill out the American community survey. However, um, it's the, the way it's done. It's to take uh, sample sizes of each population and, throughout the U.S. Um, so that data is constantly being updated and changed. And that's why it's used also, um, you know, by businesses and different people, because that's that's more of a, um, well, let's say the decennial is more of a bird's eye view and the American Community Survey is kind of like a zoomed in uh, street view, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Nat, is any any questions? We do not have any raised hands. 
Okay. Um, so we can, can we, um, I'd love to give the information again um, about the sort of different ways you can respond to the survey. So um, as, uh, you know, as we talked about, there's the, you can respond online and you would go to my2020census.gov to respond online. And as Sharon said, um, to call, you would use, um, if English is your primary language, you call 844-330-2020. If Spanish is your preferred language, you would call 844-468-2020. If you use a TTY or know someone who does, you would call 844-467-2020. And of course, you can always respond by answering the questions on the paper uh, form that you receive. Um, and uh, officially starting August 11th, uh, they will uh, be census numerators or census takers in all of our communities. And if you haven't responded by any of those options by then, uh, there's a probability, actually you probably will have somebody knocking on your door and that, that will go on from August 11th until the end of September. All right. So, um, Larry, Clark, and Sharon, thank you so much for joining me this evening to um, share some information about the census. And um, I suppose we'll say good night. Thank you. All, All right, right, you guys. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Thank you so much. Good, good night. Thank, thank you. you.